Hebrews 11, and it's in two parts, verses 1 to 3, and then 8 to 16. And it can be found on page 1209. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we have hoped for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. reading is taken from Luke chapter 12, verses 32 to 40, and can be found on page 1045 of the Church Bibles. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like a servant's waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will make them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good to find them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This probably can be summarised in those words we sang a while ago, no turning back. So if you don't remember anything else, remember that and go back and sing the song again. But I've got, I think, in mind uh, two groups of people I want to speak to this morning. Uh, 
One group I knew about before I came. The other group I only discovered after I'd arrived. I've been really taken with the assembly of people gathered at the foot of the cross in Plasticine. And you've suffered a bit in the heat. (laughs) You're not looking as good as you probably were when you put yourself there. Uh, So if you're feeling that you've lost the plot a bit, then maybe this is for you. The other group I want to talk to, and this is a bit of a risk because I'm going to ask a question that in polite company you never ask. Well, there's several questions, aren't there? One is, what do you earn? That's, that's definitely a no-no. Um, and the second often is, how old are you? So I want to address particularly those of you who are 75 years old or older. And I think there may be one or two present who fall into that category. I'm not going to ask you to self-disclose. Does anyone know why that particular age group? You've got it. So, we are in the book of Hebrews today, um, and uh, our lectionary rather jumps about with Hebrews. So it's a while since we've had Hebrews. We've we've had it in the lectionary since sort of last November, and then it sort of petered out and popped up once or twice and then disappeared, and we're going to get it for the next few weeks. So I want to, to do a quick reminder for you about this book. The strange thing is, you know, we know very little about it. We don't know who wrote it. Um, we can be pretty sure that it wasn't St. Paul. The style isn't right. Um, It was probably written by a he, but there are some suggestions it was written by a she. Um, Whoever wrote it from the language was quite an educated, um, well-connected, devout sort of person. Not only do we not know who wrote it, we don't know who it was written for. Um, uh, There's no community specifically mentioned. Uh, We can infer, I think, that it was written to Christian believers who particularly had a a Jewish or Hebraic uh, heritage. But we can't be sure. Maybe it was simply one congregation, a a home church somewhere being addressed. And almost certainly, it's not a letter. It doesn't start like a letter. It's probably a sermon. You will be pleased to know that my sermon won't be quite as long as the whole letter to the Hebrews. But we can be sure that the community being addressed were in some sort of crisis. They were having a crisis of faith and a crisis of confidence. 
And the repeated message from the author of Hebrews is look at the past, look at where you've come from, and at every stage the author says, but remember, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So the very beginning words of Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son. So much better, a son so much better than the prophets. Nothing wrong with the prophets, but Jesus is better whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior... See, Jesus is better than, much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. And my apologies, because as I was preparing, I picked up the Bible that I use when I'm preaching in St. Mary's, which is a very slightly different translation from the one you use. So I'm talking from the New Revised Standard, and you have the NIV and it's my mistake. But actually, sometimes it's good to do a little bit of struggling as to why one translation is a bit different from the other. So, all of that is in trying to put what uh, chapter 11 is about. And here, the author of Hebrews tries to uh, say to us, to explain to us what faith means. And I wonder, if you had to uh, define faith to somebody else, what might you say? What, what one or two words come to mind that you'd want to mention if you had to define faith to somebody else? Shall I give you... I, I, it is a question that you can answer. You don't have to be quiet. It wasn't rhetorical. Let me give you a clue from uh, the Collins English Dictionary, which I happen to have on my shelf. Uh, it defines faith as complete trust or confidence. Or it defines it as a system of religious belief. Or as a strong belief in a... Oh, I just can't write, read what I wrote. Oh, in a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. But what would you say? What, what one or two words? Shout out. You don't have to put a hand up. Trust in God. Trust in God. Oh, Abraham, we're going to talk about Abraham. Thank you. Hope. Assurance. A strong belief. 
seeing the invisible. Thank you. There. Action on account of sin. Ah, thank you, Tim, because I was about to say all of those things are really, really good, but uh, the author to Hebrews makes it clear that faith isn't just what we uh, think or believe. It's not just an inward thing. It has to be expressed in what we actually do. That action demonstrates our faith. Uh, James writes about that, doesn't he? It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And uh, we are pointed, we are pointed in this chapter uh, both a long way forward and a long way back. The pointing forward suggests that faith takes us towards a future goal. It takes us towards the city of God. It takes us to heaven. Uh, verse 10. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verse 16, the end of our reading this morning. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, is God, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. So that points us a long way into the future, that faith must always be taking us in the direction of heaven of the city where God dwells to the city where one day we will dwell together. We mustn't lose sight of the heavenly future that God calls us towards. But the passage then also takes us way back to the example of Abraham. Or indeed, because you know he changed his name or his name was changed, takes us back to Abram. Um, all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Um, now, we know the land that God was going to show him uh, was the promised land. But there's an echo here that that promised land is in fact the same future that we're aiming for. It's heaven. But there was another promised land on the way, wasn't there? And the promise to Abram, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, that so you will be a blessing. Uh, thank you for the singing of the blessing, because actually one of the hallmarks of God's people is that we are a blessing to others. Um, it's not just that we're here to be blessed ourselves, we're here to be those who share that blessing 
And here it is, right in the call of Abraham. I will bless you, said God. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That includes us. We weren't there way back then. Abram didn't know anything about us. He'd never heard of Medgate. How outrageous is that? <laughs> but we are included in the promise because we are children of him as we are children of God. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Isn't that extraordinary? What was the life expectancy way back then? Was it, was it the apocryphal three score years and ten? I suspect it was probably even less than that. Here was an old man married to an old woman without children. And God promises the impossible to them and they have faith and don't just think about it. They step out. They begin the journey. And that's why Abraham is so important to our faith as he was to the faith of the Hebrew people. He set out. Well, if you're 75 or older, you might think, surely, Roger, I can settle down. I can put my feet up. I can go and buy my reclining chair. I can live in comfort and peace because I have arrived. The bad news is, no, you haven't. God may not be calling you to leave your home or your land, but he might. Don't rule out the possibility. God has something new for you, whatever your age, because you're not yet in heaven. That's the goal. That's where our faith is leading us. But God willing, you and I have a little while yet between the here and now and the then and there. And however old you are, whether you're really young, I can point to someone who's really young, I'm not going to point to someone who's really old. <laughs> I'll point at myself. Um, there's a journey to go on. God spoke. Abraham believed. And he put his belief into action. So it wasn't a blind faith. 
I'm sure there was a history before that, that Abraham already knew God. There was a relationship. And although we can't see very much of that from the beginning of Genesis, there's not very much before it, is there? But from where we're standing, we can look back at generations and generations and generations all the way back to Abraham of God's faithfulness, of God's call to his people and the response of that call which can give us trust that the God who called them can still call us and he will be faithful to us as we step out. So maybe... If you're feeling a little bit collapsed, not quite sure whether there's much get up and go left in you, the good news is that by faith there is. It's a wonderful offer to be prayed for at the end of the service. And I'm struck that uh, when the prayer was talked about, it was on this side of the church. And maybe that explains why the boat is lopsided. <laughs> and you're all sitting on this side, because all you lot need a bit of prayer to get up and go and do something. And those of you perhaps on this side are already doing it. Who knows? Maybe those who are praying... Um, can you expand the team? You might need more prayers this morning. And those of you who are 75 or older, if you need a stick or you need someone to bring you, come. What might God still have in store for you, uniquely you, that you can contribute to the kingdom, and kingdom of God and the blessing of of other people. So what has God said to you in the past? He won't have spoken to you as he spoke to Abraham. He won't have said, um, come on, you're going to leave Haran, you're going to go with, with Sarah and some of your relatives and you're going to set off in tents across the desert. That wouldn't fit our context. He won't have spoken like that to you. But I think he will have spoken. You will have a sense, maybe from when you were a child, that God somehow has set you apart for something. That there's a, there's a glimmer of a call. And it may have been suppressed. Don't let it continue to be suppressed. Because there's enough time left for it to come to fruition. What has God said to you that hasn't yet been fulfilled? Share it with someone you trust. Get them to pray with you. We don't always hear God perfectly. And we need the community to help interpret sometimes what's been said. That's the purpose of prayer. But God is always calling us to take the next step, which is towards the city of God, the kingdom of heaven. Which is why there is no going back. 
if only it could be like it used to be. And we're more inclined to say that the older we get. But it's one of the few things that God forbids us to say because he always takes us forward. He never takes us back. That's why that lovely word of hope, perhaps of one or two people here that you feel trapped in the past and you can't get set free. Maybe there's a connection between that word and the sheep who's struggling. Jesus wants to set you free so that you can walk forward with him in the power of his spirit. So we're not to become too settled. We're not to think we've arrived, we're at home, this is now it. We're to feel just a little bit like strangers and foreigners. Not quite at home yet, because our real home still lies in the future. I would love to jump ahead to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, but that's next week's passage. So all I'm going to do is read the first few verses, because you remember the theme of the book of Hebrews is that uh, Jesus is always better. And so, therefore, says the author of Hebrews, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's Abraham and all the other great people that get mentioned in Hebrews 11, plus all those who don't, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, what are we to do? We're to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Oh no, you say. It's one thing to watch all these athletes at the Commonwealth Games sweating and puffing and breaking records and getting there, but I'm not fit enough. I'm not young enough. I can't be running a race. Get real. Sorry. <laughs> We're still to run, even if it's a very slow run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. We've been running a race all our lives. What's the bit that's left? Because God has a purpose for that bit that's left. What are we to do? We're to look to Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is better. His faith also had action, the action that finally took him to the cross and to his resurrection and to the gift of the Spirit. Um, it is this Jesus who calls us to keep going, to not look back, to listen and to respond and to obey.
you were probably hoping for a nice, gentle sermon before lunch. And I hope that I might just have stirred you up a little bit and made you just a little bit uncomfortable. But I also hope I've planted a bit of a seed of excitement that God hasn't finished with me yet and he hasn't finished with you yet either. Amen.